Good morning. Hello, everyone. Glad to see you guys here this morning. Everybody looks pretty cheery. I don't see too many tired faces. We're going to call everyone in from the cafe now and get you all in here so we can start to worship Jesus together. So we're excited about it. Are you guys excited? Did you have a good week? Yeah? Good. I'm glad to hear that. Anybody else building a deck? No? Nobody else is sore? Okay, I guess it's just us. All right, well, let's stand and let's welcome the Holy Spirit in this morning. Let me pray with us this morning to get us started. Lord Jesus, Father, we thank you for being here. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you left the Holy Spirit here for us to be our helper and to do many things we are unaware of. So, Lord, we ask you now to fill this place even more. You've been here all morning, Lord, and I'm so grateful for that. Lord, we want you to come in more. We want you to do more. We want you to to settle our spirits down and get our hearts and our minds focused on you. And Lord, I want you to take over this place. We have come expectantly waiting on you. So Lord, we want you to take over, and we want our offerings this morning to be pleasing to you, Lord. But Lord, we want you to do something new. Today's Pentecost, so we want you to do it again. Lord Jesus, we need you, and this is all for you, Lord, so we just give it to you this morning. We ask for your anointing. We ask for your presence. We ask you to hold each person in their seats today, and Lord, we just ask you to do something new in us and in this church and in this community, Lord, that is specific from you, and we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being here and for wanting to dwell among us. You dwell among the praises of your people, Lord, so I pray that we will praise you with all of our hearts, minds, and soul today. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship him.
awesome. Are you awake? Yeah, we need him, right? Oh, my gosh. We were praying this morning. We were all tired. We came in. We were having technical troubles, and we just stopped and prayed. We said, Lord, we need you here. We need you here this morning. We just prayed, and we said, you come in and take over. You do what you want to do. If this is all a mess, that's okay because it's your plan. And guess what he came in and did? He took over, and we just had our own worship time. It was wonderful. So would you turn and greet everybody and say, I need the Holy Ghost, and just tell them good morning. Welcome them here this morning. Good morning. It is so good to be here worshiping our wonderful, incredible Lord with such a beautiful church family. You all look great today. Just have a few announcements that I want to uh, highlight today. Hopefully you all got a program as you walked in the door because there's more information on that program than what I'm going to give you in announcements today. So grab one of those if you didn't get it as you uh, came in. But our teenagers and our incredible youth pastor, Pastor Scott, they're at teen camp this week, this weekend, and we want to be praying for them uh, because incredible things happen at teen camp. And uh, so we want to be sure and be praying for our teenagers, and we're so glad that they're there. And thank you to you who uh, helped to fund some of those teenagers to be able to go. We also have a memorial pa uh, plaque that Jerry Loring and others put together to honor those from our church who served in our arms, armed forces. Um, all the veterans will be meeting in the foyer right after the service today to, um, to be able to place that plaque. So we uh, thank you for the service, and I just hope that this plaque is an encouragement to you. Also tonight at 6.30 will be our second question and answer time uh, for our, our assessment that we did a few uh, weeks ago. So you are invited. If you didn't come to that first one Wednesday night, you're invited this evening here at the church, question and answer time and dealing with that assessment. And I hope you can come to that. Um, also, our very first drive-in movie night will be June 17th, Friday evening. What a great opportunity to invite friends to come with you and enjoy that movie night right here at our church. So June 17th, begin to pray who God might have you to invite to come with you to that. I'm going to invite Lacey to come forward. She and I are going to be reading from Acts 2. And after our, our uh, scripture reading, our ushers will come and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. So thank you so much for that. So if you'd like to turn in your Bible to Acts 2, beginning with verse 1. Lacey, you can come on up here beside me. 
When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what it seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pont Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this, listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. After all, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood. Before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward and wait on us for our morning tithes and offerings. And this giving, our giving, is an act of worship. So let's continue to worship the Lord as we give.
Yeah. 
turn to you even more today, that we will love on you the way that you love on us, even if it's just a tiny, tiny bit. We can never match your love, Lord, but just fill us up more and more. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
You may be seated as we prepare our hearts for communion today. We have these moments to reflect on who our Lord is and the price he paid for us. And I'm guessing that some of you would probably remember that in the first century when a young Jewish man reached the marrying age and his family selected the appropriate wife for him, he and his father would meet the young woman and her father in order to negotiate the bride price. And the price was usually up. When the negotiations were complete, the custom was for the young man's father to pour a cup of wine and hand it to his son. And his son would turn to the young woman and lift the cup. And he would say, this cup is a new covenant in me, which I offer to you. In other words, he was saying, it was his way of saying, I love you and I'll give you my life. Will you marry me? Now, the young woman had a choice. She could take the cup and return it and say no. Or she could answer without a word by drinking the cup. And the act of drinking the cup was her way of saying, I accept your offer and I will marry you and give you my life. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus and the disciples sat down together celebrating Passover. And the disciples knew the liturgy very well. They had celebrated Passover all of their lives. When it came time to drink the third cup of wine, the cup of redemption, Jesus lifted the cup as the disciples would have expected, and he offered the traditional Seder same words used to this day, which are blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, for giving us the fruit of the vine. And then he offered it to his disciples. But he said something they probably had not expected when he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which I offer to you. As if he were saying, I love you. And the only picture I can think of that will describe the power of my love for you is the pure love of a husband for his wife. It's hard for us to know what the disciples were thinking when they heard those words that night. A few of them may have chuckled a bit at Jesus basically making a marriage proposal, which must have seemed totally out of place to them at a Passover meal. And yet perhaps they understood him to say, I love you. And as my father promised your fathers, I'll pay the price for you. And in response, will you love me back by giving me your life? And this morning as we gather here, he still says, I love you. I offer you my life. Will you be mine? Taking of the cup here in a moment is a solemn moment. A moment when one looks to the Heavenly Father and says, Yes, I accept your offer. And I give you my life in response. I want to ask Pastor 
Ben and Pastor Kelly to come and help me if they would to distribute the elements this morning. And as they come, I want to invite you to come to the front and pick up these elements, starting at the front rows. Oh, if you would, come and take these elements. And let me remind you that these communion cups are a little different than the ones we used last week. These have two tabs on the top. Make sure you pull that first tab before you pull the second tab, or you might be in trouble trying to get those things separated. When you get back to your seat, please hold your communion elements until all have been served, and then we will receive together. And that night, Jesus took the bread and broke it and handed it to his disciples and he said, Take, eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, held it before them and said, drink this, the new covenant in my blood. Drink this now. Something that we need not forget. Almighty God, we bow in your presence this beautiful Sabbath morning to give you thanks for who you are to praise you for what you do and for the fact that so many years before you had a plan for us that would be made complete in Jesus. Father, we are grateful today for the fact that you still love us. And there are times, Lord, when we need to feel your hug. Maybe some here today struggling with issues in their life. And this morning was just a reminder 
that you are there. You paid an incredible price for us. Father, we receive these elements today in gratitude, and we give you thanks. And we ask that you will help us as we strive to live the life that you've planned for us, as we strive to walk in ways that bring you glory. Father, we don't want to embarrass you. We want our lives to bring you glory. And we pray today that as we have received these elements, that somewhere deep within our spirit, there was also that realization that we are receiving you. Father, we give you thanks now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Tim. We appreciate him and Jane, don't we? Yes, we do. Really good to be in God's house together today. Kelly Menta mentioned earlier that uh, Barbara Fritz, man, many of you know her, uh, her dad passed yesterday, I believe. We want to be praying for her. She uh, plans a service in Texas for him and then travels back. And uh, let's be praying for each other these days, amen? Appreciated that scripture reading from Acts chapter 2. I'd invite you to turn back there. Lacey's probably glad that Kelly took the first 13 verses in that passage with all those place names. We appreciate and are praying for Lacey, two weeks old in Jesus today, amen? That's good stuff. And I don't know about you, but I'll be glad when we get completely beyond this uh, COVID stuff and can go back to regular communion elements. Kelly's going to be working on getting that bread out of her thing this afternoon. She didn't quite get there. On what I always imagine as a quiet night in the little town of Bethlehem, the stillness was shattered with the cries of a newborn baby. Jesus was born. Christmas. He lived for a while among us, preached, taught healed, and finally died on the cross for our sins, Good Friday. Three days later, he was raised from the dead, Easter. Forty days later, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and ten days after that, the Holy Spirit came and filled those waiting, praying believers, Pentecost. The coming of the Holy Spirit completed what God had come in the person of Christ to accomplish. We talk about the Christ event in seminary and typically think of that in terms of Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. But in a very real sense, the Christ event wasn't complete until Jesus ascended to the Father, which allowed the Father and the Son to send the Holy Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit was not an afterthought, not a sideshow in the work of God in setting this world right again one life at a time. Rather, the coming of the Spirit on Pentecost completed the Christ event, and when the Spirit came, the disciples, the believers, the church, they were off and running. 
It may be that the Holy Spirit applied the benefits of Christ's atonement to the hearts of those believers, breathing that new life into them that Jesus' death on the cross made possible. It's certain that the Holy Spirit equipped and empowered those believers for the life, ministry, and witness that was to be theirs. And that work of the Holy Spirit has been repeating itself in the experience of believers ever since. Amen? Pentecost was the day when it all came together for the disciples. Before the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, the disciples still didn't fully understand their mission, still weren't fully equipped to accomplish that mission. They were still asking the wrong questions. And that's why Jesus told them to wait before going. And friends, that's the rhythm of our life as Christ followers today. Amen. I read a blog by a guy named Rob Prince this past week. The title was, Why is Pentecost the Least Celebrated Holiday of the Year? He said, Easter is a big deal. It should be. Jesus rose from the dead. Christmas is a big deal. He said, think of Christmas as the baby shower of the Christian faith. Only everyone gets presents. I like that. Pentecost seems like it's no deal at all. No Easter baskets, no Christmas presents, no special dinners, no parties, no time off work, nothing. Pentecost gets the short end of the calendar stick, he writes. But Pentecost is a really big deal. It's the day the Holy Spirit came supernaturally upon the 120 believers and transformed the ragtag bunch, most of whom had failed Jesus miserably less than a couple of months earlier, into the turn the world upside down Jesus champions, more commonly known as the church. I think he's on to something there. Pentecost. Peter reminded his hearers and us that it wasn't that Jesus and John the Baptist wasn't only Jesus and John the Baptist that had anticipated this day, but centuries earlier, the prophet Joel had when he said, and that next slide, Lisa, I think you're doing a great job back there. Why don't you just run those for me? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even all my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And in those days, the last days begin. Christ's first coming ushered in the last days. And you and I, 20 centuries later, are living in those same last days, nearer the end of all things than they were. And that same Holy Spirit is available to us today. Amen? I'm trying to frame Pentecost perhaps undervalued in his church. Think about the big picture. In the Old Testament, it was God above us, thundering from Mount Sinai, leading by cloud and fire, making himself known in mighty acts of deliverance. In the New Testament, in the fullness of time, when Jesus came, it was God with us. The Word made flesh, living for a while among us. Now in these days, it's God in us. Christ in us through the ministry and presence 
of the Holy Spirit in us. And how can that be? Here's something about me. Whenever I preach, I'm thinking about how this would sound in conversations with those that don't yet believe. How can that be? How does God, the Holy Spirit, come and live in me? How can I explain that? I'm not sure that I can. If you cut me open today, I'm not sure that you'd see any visible physical evidence of the Spirit in me. But I've experienced His effect. Anybody else? His fruit, though that fruit is always maturing in me, and there are moments when in my humanity or my lingering sinfulness, I bruise that fruit. But one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is the ministry of conviction. And almost immediately, he helps me to recognize any way in which I fall short or get out of step with the Spirit of God's will for me. And I can turn from that, which is a beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit has spoken to my spirit. In those moments when I doubt my Christian faith, when I wonder if I really got it. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm his son, that he loves me. I've experienced his peace. I experienced that peace last summer when I began to realize that God was releasing me from that pastoral responsibility in the church that I led for so long. I wrestled with that. But God's peace came over me through the ministry of his spirit. I've been changed, formed, fashioned little by little most of the time. But a few times in significant moments when I knelt at an altar of prayer or on a walk in a path, on a path in the woods or whatever, God came and just spoke in a special way and worked in me in a, in a dramatic way. The Holy Spirit has guided me and given me wisdom. In the hands of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures, God speaks to me through these he corrects me. He gives me hope. He encourages me. And my guess is there are many here this morning that could testify to the same. And so my prayer this morning, come Holy Spirit, I need you. Amen? Thinking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday. On that night before the cross, Jesus said, John 14, 18, I will come to you. I don't think Jesus was referring to his second coming, his return. I think he was talking about the Holy Spirit that evening. That same night, Jesus says he would send another counselor, another counselor. Who was the first? I think Jesus was. And what had Jesus done while he lived for a while among us? He had walked and talked with the disciples, taught them, showed them the way, how to live, how to love, encouraged them, corrected them, shared life with them, prepared them. The Holy Spirit would do the same. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. The English transliteration of the Greek word there is paraclete, one who is summoned, called to one's side, especially called to one's aid. 
one who pleads another's cause before a judge, counsel for the defense, legal assistant, an advocate, an intercessor, in the widest sense, a helper, an assistant. That's the Holy Spirit. Let's say you're a head coach for a football team. The Holy Spirit is your coaching staff. The Holy Spirit is the guy up in the booth with a good view of the field and headphones on communicating back to you on the field. That's the Holy Spirit for you. I thought that was pretty good. You're in a traffic accident. The Holy Spirit is your lawyer, a defense attorney that will gather evidence and speak on your behalf before the judge. You've got a tree down in your yard and you're out there with your buck saw, sawing your heart out. The Holy Spirit is the neighbor that comes along with a chainsaw. We're talking about the difference the Holy Spirit in us can make. The Holy Spirit is your big brother that looks out for you at school. The Holy Spirit is the tutor that gives, gets you through algebra. He's the friend that sits with you in the waiting room who's just there, whose presence makes all the difference in the world. He's the one that makes sure you won't feel like an orphan in this world. And so I pray this morning, come Holy Spirit, I need you. You remember that line in Romans 8? I think we quoted it last week in the a string of promises. If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, God sent the Holy Spirit for us to deliver the goods, if you will, to make the changes, to lead, to empower, to equip, to comfort, to counsel, to gift us. Give me that next slide, Lisa, will you? A quote from H. Ray Dunning in the uh, Nazarene Systematic Theology, Grace, Faith, and Holiness. The Spirit is the doctrinal way of speaking of God's relatedness to the world and particularly to the human spirit. Another way of saying it is perhaps that all that God does, He does by the means of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent that accomplishes the work of God in, for, and through us. And so I pray on this Pentecost Sunday, come Holy Spirit, I need you. This Pentecost, there are three effects among the many of the Holy Spirit that stand out for me. I want to share those three. The very first effect of the Holy Spirit, did you notice this, was proclamation. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, all of them, all those waiting, praying believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak, began to speak in other tongues, other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Those gathered in that upstairs room, about 120, when the Spirit filled them, began to declare the wonders of God in languages that were not their own. In the languages of the many who had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost from all over the Roman Empire. So note that the very first fruit of the Spirit was proclamation. They opened their mouths and said something. They proclaimed, they spoke, they declared. The Holy Spirit compelled and empowered believers to tell others 
what God had done. And Peter, who just days earlier had denied he even knew Jesus, filled with the Spirit, stood up and raised his voice and preached the first Christian message, and 3,000 people were saved that day. You might have noticed in these first couple of months, I use this phrase, uh, show and tell the gospel a lot. I don't know if they still this, do this in grade school, but when I was grade school, in grade school, we had show and tell time. Anybody else remember that? You would bring a pet or a hobby or a gift or a, an award to school, and when your time came, you were invited to the front of the class, and you would hold up your pet turtle or your ribbon or whatever, and then you would tell the class about it, Right? If you just went to the front of the class and held up your turtle and didn't say anything, the presentation would probably be missing something. Or if you didn't bring that pet turtle and just went up to the front of the class and tried to describe your pet to them, eh, that would lack something too. That's why it was show and tell. And in sharing the gospel, it's got to be both. Keep thinking about Pastor Larry's message four or five weeks ago when he encouraged us all to uh, work on our testimony and be able to give that testimony in three or four minutes as God gives us opportunity. Tell our story, what God has done for us. I hope you're working on that. The witness that Jesus said we would be when the Holy Spirit came on us includes speaking. Witness in deed and in word. Amen? Someone recently noted that the quote we attribute to St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. A couple things wrong with that. One, St. Francis didn't say that. And it makes sense because he went everywhere speaking, declaring, proclaiming. We often use that quote as an excuse for not telling others the good news of the gospel. We've got to be ready to give an account for the hope that we have. We need to spread the good news. Come Holy Spirit, we need you to empower us for witness, to give us a boldness in telling others about the gospel. Amen? The second effect of the Spirit's coming on those Waiting, praying believers that stands out for me this Pentecost will probably come as no surprise. The second effect I note is unity. In fact, it stood out for me last Pentecost Sunday because I went back to uh, some old messages and Pentecost Sunday, May of 2021, I preached a message titled, The Unifying Effect of the Spirit. On the day the church was born, the barrier of language was removed so that all could hear the good news of the gospel. It was the beginning, perhaps, of God making us one. thought about that in the contrast between uh, that uh, Old Testament story, the Tower of Babel. You remember that? And God came down to that unified bunch of people and he uh, had them speaking in different languages so that they divided up and 
went different directions. I thought, that's kind of odd, because God's into unity. But in that case, they were coming together as one to build something for their own glory. They were also not doing what God had told the, the human race to do in the beginning, and that's to spread out and be fruitful and multiply and, and fill the earth. But here on Pentecost, God brought all those different languages together, and they each heard the good news of the gospel, the wonders of God, what God was doing in that day in the fullness of time in their own language. Think about the 12 that Jesus chose to be his disciples. They may have all been Jewish, but they were not a homogeneous group. They included a tax collector and a zealot. Think about that. A tax collector who was working for the enemy and a zealot who wanted to kick Rome right out of Israel. If I were to uh, want trouble among my 12, I would choose those two. But the presence of Jesus, and now on Pentecost, the presence of the Spirit kept those 12 together. And then it kept those 120 together. And then the thousands that were saved in those early days together. And as the book of Acts unfolds and we, we catch a little glimpse of the first few years of the early church, kept them together. The unifying effect of the Spirit, the unifying power of Jesus. God wants unity, and His Holy Spirit is the source. Remember my message a couple, three weeks ago, Ephesians chapter 4, if we want unity, pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Back home in the midst of making every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace last year and the year before that and several years before that, as we faced off with the difficult issues around race. And there was no avoiding that back where we come from. And you shouldn't avoid it anyway because the Scripture faces those kinds of issues. Dr. Tony Evans' book, Oneness and Brace, was helpful. I think we've got that quote, Lisa. In his book, he says that God's creative variety is replete, displaying itself through a humanity crafted in different shapes, colors, and styles. We have all those here, right, at WLC. Each of us, in one form or another, is unique. Unity occurs when we combine our unique differences together as we head toward a common goal. It is the sense that the thing that we are gathered for and moving toward is bigger than our own personal preferences. Christ himself, his death and resurrection, his gospel and his mission was and still is that something bigger that keeps us together with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here's another Tony Evans quote, another slide there, Lisa. Satan spends an inordinate amount of his focus trying to divide us, especially in the body of Christ. Why? Because he knows that God's power and glory are both accessed and magnified through a posture of true unity and authentic love. I absolutely believe that's true. Tony Evans says there's power in our oneness. There's a manifestation of God's 
presence in our oneness, there's a witness to the world in our unity. Not only that, but we need a united front as we do battle with the enemy of our souls and confront sin in the world. We've got to be together. Amen? So we pray, come Holy Spirit, we need you and the unity you bring to the body of Christ. The third and final effect of the Spirit's coming and filling those believers that stands out for me this Pentecost 2022 is devotion. Acts chapter 2 begins with the believers all together praying, waiting on the Lord. Then the Spirit comes in a dramatic way, rushing wind, uh, tongues of fire. Peter preaches, 3,000 say, wow, wow. Say that with me, wow. <laughs> but you know what? This pastor is as encouraged by that summary description that begins in verse 42 of chapter 2 that concludes that chapter as I am by anything. Put that slide up there for me, will you, Lisa? The effect of the Spirit filling those believers was devotion. Devotion to the apostles' teaching. Devotion to each other. Devotion to remembering Jesus' death in the sacrament of communion, just as he had asked them to do until he comes. Devotion to prayer. Devotion to sharing life together, sharing meals together, breaking bread, being in each other's homes, devotion to worship. It wasn't if I have time. Those things weren't just options on a buffet in life that I can pick and choose from. They were devoted to them. And it was out of and through that devotion that God added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was because of that devotion that the gospel spread across the Roman Empire and eventually to the ends of the earth. It was because of that fruit of the Spirit that the world was changed forever, one life at a time. It's the reason we're here today. Back to Rob Prince's blog. He said, we will do a few things in the church building on Sunday to recognize that it's Pentecost Sunday. But maybe the true Pentecost celebration is when the church starts behaving in a manner that would make the first Pentecost celebrants proud. It's when we love our neighbor, feed the hungry, care for the needy. Pentecost is best celebrated when, like in Peter's bold sermon, we proclaim the Savior and see a life transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And on this Pentecost Sunday, I would add, when we make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, when we devote ourselves to the gathering like we've done today, to prayer, to worship to each other, to serving one another in love, and spilling out of this building to serve this community in Jesus' name. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And as the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, to keep in step with the Spirit our entire life. I suppose here in a Nazarene church, we could go around the barn this morning about one work of grace or two, and I may address that issue before it's all over here for us at WLC. For today, I'd say this, just because you invite someone into your home doesn't mean you give him the run of the place. And the testimony of many believers, including my own, is that I came to that place after having decided to follow Jesus when I recognized that I wasn't just saved from something, I was saved for something. And that God wanted to fill me with His Holy Spirit to equip and empower me for the world-changing ministry He had for, for me? Yes, for me. I was saved at the age of 10 at Roarsport Church of the Nazarene. Six years later, March 29th, 1976, kneeling at an altar of prayer in the West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. I said, whatever you want me to do, God, I'm going to do. Wherever you want me to go, I am all yours. Every nook and cranny, every room, every closet in my house. And soon after that, he called me to do what I'm still doing today. Don't let that scare you away from letting him have the whole run of your house. But are you with me there? And everybody's journey is a little bit different. But here are some important questions for this gathered group of believers here this morning, myself included. I've said it before, I'm as much a hearer as I am a speaker on a Sunday morning. Does God have the run of your place? Are you completely available and surrendered to Him? Would you do whatever He asks you to do today? Would you go wherever He asks you to go? Are you hungry, hungry and thirsty after righteousness? Are you daily waiting, seeking, praying for all that God has for you? Are you telling others the good news of Jesus? Are you making an intentional effort, all that you can, to preserve the unity of the Spirit that we know in His church? Are you devoted to Him, to prayer, to worship, to serving, to loving? I know we're all a work in progress and plenty of room to grow. But I'd say if you could answer those questions with a yes today, you're doing your part. God is faithful and will do His part. Be at peace. If you can't say yes to those questions, I've got good news. We pray to a father who loves to give good gifts to his children, especially the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, I need you. Most uh, Pentecost Sundays, all through the years, I've preached from Acts chapter 2 probably true of most pastors here in this room. But I always think of Acts chapter 4 on Pentecost Sunday. Acts chapter 2, the waiting, praying believers, the Holy Spirit came and filled them. 
Doggone it, in Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John were rebuked by the religious leaders of the day and told to stop preaching Jesus, they came back and reported what had happened there, and those believers that were uh, there in that room that day prayed again, and the Bible says that they were filled again. I said, what? I thought they were filled back in Acts chapter 2. I thought they got that. Maybe every once in a while we need filled again. Interesting, after they prayed that second time in Acts chapter 4, you know what the first effect of their being filled with the Spirit again? They spoke boldly the Word of God. Maybe some of us that have been following Jesus since we were 10 need to be filled again, he says. Maybe we do. The first verse of that hymn, Breathe on me, breath of God, is my prayer today. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. The song we're about to sing captures it, I believe. We need a fresh wind fragrance of heaven, and then the prayer, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. I'm going to invite uh, our friends to come back, and in just a moment, they'll lead us in that song. As his people today, followers of Jesus, I wonder if we could just recognize our need of the Holy Spirit. Until the day we leave this earth and go on to the place that Jesus has prepared for us, we're going to need Him. And I wonder if uh, maybe as we sing this song, it might be new to you, so we might just be listening. Let's just ask our Heavenly Father, who loves to give us good gifts, to give us that gift of the Spirit, maybe for the first time for someone today, that you just sense your need to be fully surrendered to God. You've been holding back a few closets with the doors shut, whatever. Just have Him fill you. God wants to do that. It's not, it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to figure it all out. We just come to Him with what we want. He may do something dramatic in you this morning, or it may be the beginning of a, a new chapter, the page begins to turn as God works in your life in a deeper way. Most of us are veteran followers today. Maybe we just need a fresh touch. Here's what I want to do. As we, as we sing, if that's, that's you, these altars are always open to come and pray, but I wonder if you would just stand with me say, God, that's what I want. Come and fill me anew today. And Father, as we linger, linger here in your presence, God, we just thank you for who you are. Our efforts to communicate, I don't know, 
Father, they just seem so inadequate. But you're here. You know each of us. You know what we need. You know the desires of our heart. God, I pray that you'd answer our prayer. Give us the desires of our heart that are pleasing to you today. In Jesus' name. Let's sing. fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit
Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force his way into our lives, but he wants us to open up our hearts, open up our lives to him so that he can come in. If the Holy Spirit is going to come into our hearts and into our lives, we need to surrender our lives to him. We need to let go of the reins and give him control. I again invite anyone who would like to come forward and just pray and just invite the Holy Spirit to come in and to work into, in your heart and into your life. Is there anything that you're holding on to, anything that is holding you back from surrendering everything to the Lord who loves you so much that he died for you. I surrendered everything when I was about 17, and I have never regretted it, ever. He has filled my life with good things, and I want that for you as well. I'm going to read a scripture, my, one of my favorite scriptures, and then pray. And again, this altar is open if you'd like to come and pray. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is my prayer for you today. Father, fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Move us, speak to us, allow us, enable us to surrender to you, Father. Help us to open up our hearts and our lives to you. You want to fill us with the Holy Spirit. You want to give us peace and joy that comes from you. You want to give us power to be your witnesses. You want to give us unity, bring us together in love. And Father, you want to release us from the power of sin, and you want us to live a victorious life in you. All that is possible by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to surrender to you today. And Father, I pray for each and every one that is here. I pray for Barbara, who's there in Texas. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will be at work, that you will bring us help, that you will bring us comfort. And Father, we give you all the praise and the glory, and we thank you in Jesus' name.
go today and overflow to everyone that you meet this week with the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for being here today. down into the valley filled with dried bones baking in the sun remains that used to be a mighty army to him it looked like the fighting days were done we're driven by your calling on his life you spoke God's words the bones began to he stared wide-eyed as the flesh began to form And as it prophesied to the wind The soldiers began to wake And the Lord sent his wind into the valley And breathed the breath of life into their souls And raised them again a mighty army Soon these arisen warriors will battle again. But they have been filled with the Spirit. what they're fighting for. 